makes a good leader? Is it someone who challenges the status quo or motivates others to do better? And how do you build leadership skills? 95% of the feedback you give is really positive. It's helping your team kind of see the future and see the vision and help them along that path. Less than 5% is actually what I would call that constructive feedback that really kind of is, let's have a difficult conversation. Most of it is really helping people along their journey. That's Lynn Fulton, president of OSF St. Joseph Medical Center in Bloomington, Illinois. And I'm Shelley Dankoff, your host of Health Accelerated, brought to you by OSF Healthcare. The Oxford Dictionary defines leadership as the action of leading a group of people or an organization. Simply put, leadership is about taking risks and challenging the status quo. Leaders motivate others to achieve something new and better. On this episode of Health Accelerated, we're tweaking things a little bit and taking a look at leadership. To do that are two OSF healthcare leaders who are living embodiments of innovative leaders. Lynn Fulton is president of OSF St. Joseph Medical Center in Bloomington, Illinois, and Jennifer Junis is the senior vice president of OSF On Call Digital Health. First of all, thank you both for being with us. Let's start with each of you giving us a brief overview of your career and leadership journey. Lynn, let's start with you. Oh, thank you, Shelley. Um, well, going back, my leadership uh, journey really spans over 20 years. You know, I was in banking and then made the switch over to healthcare. Um, where I was in marketing, uh, actually, for Kiwani Hospital, um, rose to the ranks of chief operating officer and then was blessed to become the CEO there and led our integration to OSF Healthcare in 2014. Stayed at OSF St. Luke and then made the jump to Bloomington in 2017, where I still serve today. So it's been a long and through various roles to get to where you're at. Jennifer, how about you? Well, same thing. I've been a registered nurse for, oh my goodness, almost 30 years now. And I think I knew as soon as I graduated nursing school that I wanted to um, make things better and I wanted to be in leadership and, and facilitate change. So my first executive level leadership role was as the chief nursing officer at Kiwani Hospital, which is where Lynn and I met and, and were peers. And then when she became the CEO, um, I was the chief nursing officer for a year into our um, OSF integration. And then I moved over as the president of St. Paul as Mendota Community Hospital joined the OSF family. So, and then from that, I went over to St. Mary's and became the president um, as Roxanna Crosser moved into the regional CEO role. Then three and a half years ago, our sisters decided to make an investment on structure around digital health. And I have been in this new role um, building our infrastructure of digital health um, since then. I'm tired just listening to the two of you. I mean, just talking about all of that. Okay, so before we dive in further, are there key things you have learned from your leadership journeys over the years that have led you to where you are today? Oh, I think absolutely. I, you know, I think anyone would say yes, that your journey really defines who you are today. And I think is the mistakes as well as some of the successes. And, you know, as I look back to the past 20 years, I really think about the people that I've interacted with. And that's probably where I've learned the most. You know, I don't want to say trial and error, but as you work with different people and you bring different groups together and you have the opportunity to move through different crises that you do in the in the workforce, 
it really teaches you on the human side of of not just healthcare, the human side of leadership and and how you carry yourself, but then also how you pull the right things out of people, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Jen, how about you? Yeah, I think we learn leadership lessons not only in our careers, but also just in our life experiences. I've told recently a story to my leadership team about how a lot of lessons that I learned was when I coached high school cheerleading in the early days before I was even a nurse manager, because you learn to delegate, you learn to um, really look for talent and look for how you can motivate and inspire and uh, did a lot of that as a as a coach. And I think he takes a lot of those principles and when you then have a formal leadership role. I think also managing teenagers and moving that forward. Don't you think you learn probably more from them? Because they probably are pretty honest in their feedback, aren't they? Oh, absolutely. I always say I have a 17-year-old daughter now, and I say, if you want to feel a little bit bad about yourself, have a teenage daughter. She'll she'll let you know. She'll give you real feedback. (laughs) Which you can then carry forward into the other roles that you have. Okay, so let's start with feedback and how that connects to coaching and developing our teams. You kind of have to start there, don't you? You do. And, you know, it's critically important as you're responsible for a team to be able to give that feedback, both um, constructive as well as appreciative. You know, it, it really goes both ways. But as we're talking about feedback, I think sometimes that's the biggest mistake leaders make is not providing that timely feedback to their teams. And you know, just to give an example, I was talking to a leader um, just a couple days ago, and we were talking about one of her direct reports. And she said, well, I think this feedback's going to be kind of difficult. And I said, well, I'm kind of confused at why it would be difficult. And she was really viewing the feedback as negative. And I said, this isn't negative. This is talking about an opportunity. And so I, I helped her reformat how to say it and how to work with her team member. And she said, oh, you know, that is really positive. And I said, you know, 95% of the feedback you give is really positive. It's helping your team kind of see the future and see the vision and help them along that path. Less than 5% is actually what I would call that constructive feedback that really kind of is, let's have a different conversation. Most of it is really helping people along their journey. Does it all come down to how you phrase that, though? Because let's be honest, there's some leaders that may not be as concerned about how it comes off. And so maybe the way they phrase it isn't the most able to be accepted. Do you think that plays into it? I think it does. And I think it's not a one size fits all. You know, you really have to, as a leader, look at your team and at what's their appetite because you want to deliver it in a way that it's heard and a way that it is followed. And um, But you also have to think about where that person is so that you deliver it in the right manner. Jen, you've had a staff, as you mentioned, it's a new team. We're it, Basically, it's infancy, really, and you're three years in, but it's still very much in its infancy. So a lot of new people on the team, new leaders coming up. It, it must be interesting to sit and watch their development and at the same time try to figure out how you can help move that along. Yeah, it's truly been amazing. And the difference between, you know, really coming into a role and having an existing team that um, was already there. And that's a different leadership style that that you use when you come into a role like that. In this role, I got to build the team and hire it uh, from the ground up. And that has been a great experience. I think, you know, the relationship piece is really what has helped us to be successful. 
um, aligning around a vision, guiding principles. Um, I know some people may get tired of seeing those from on call, but those are really at the foundation of everything that we do, every meeting we have, um, every leadership development, every conversation really goes back to that. So it's our grounding for for our team. And then from a relationship standpoint, I think, you know, feedback within a relationship um, has to, it has to sit within that relationship. So I think building a new team, that relationship had to form um, before we really got to the level of having those really robust feedback conversations. And I think, you know, along the way, clarity plays such a big part of that too. So we're very fortunate to be able to align around the vision, the guiding principles, goals, and then be able to measure that. Then that's when that relationship had started to form so that when we could have honest conversation about where we're exceeding and meeting expectations and really where we have opportunities. You're kind of tied onto the innovation arm of things under OSF Healthcare. And one of those principles of innovation is failure. You know, mm-hmm. things are going to fail. They're not going to be perfect out the gate. You have to allow yourself to fail. Do you have to allow yourself to fail at the leadership development process too? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's a real key piece of it. And I think a key is to be vulnerable yourself and be able to take a step back and say, I didn't handle that well. Um, I'm sorry. Let's let's start over and, and have this conversation again. Um, I've done that numerous times, leading through all generations as well. So every interaction really becomes real personal around how people accept and, and hear feedback. And when you give feedback and it doesn't go well, honestly, no one no one grows from that. And so really, it's an opportunity to, to just be honest and, and transparent and vulnerable. Lynn, you came into the different situation. You didn't get to build the team from the ground up, if you will. I mean, you have a little bit, but you went into an already established hospital uh, as the top leader. That had to be a little bit different as you come into the role. Did you find that to be the case? And then you kind of had to bring your own leadership style along with you? It is. It is different. And but really under those same fundamental values that Jennifer just mentioned, you know, that trust and relationships, you know, you have to start with a trust foundation. And when I first started at St. Joe's, you know, they didn't trust me. You know, they may have had respect based on my past and what had been shared, but you didn't have that trust in that relationship. So you, you do have to take time to do that. You know, I shared with a leader recently that's fairly new I asked, I said, do you know the names of your direct reports, spouses, significant others? Do you know their kids? And she kind of looked at me and said, not all of them. I said, you know that, I would make that as one of your objectives as a leader. Because learning something about each one of your direct reports and showing interest in them outside of the workplace helps to build that trust because then you care about them as a human. You care about them as an individual. It's not just all about getting the work done. And then when you do have to have those tough conversations, like Jennifer just mentioned, you have some of that trust and you've built that rapport. And that's not only good for you and the organization, it's also tremendous for that individual and really helps lift them up in their leadership journey. And do you find that they know when you're having difficulty with that tough conversation because you have developed that relationship because you're feeling bad that you have to have this conversation. Does that help maybe that they get that you, you're 
affected by it too? I think so, definitely. Sometimes I've said when a conversation, I've said, you know, this is going to be a difficult conversation, but but we need to have it. Let's sit down and let's talk. And prefaced it that way. So both knew, okay, this is serious what we're talking about, but both coming to it from a position and showing some of that vulnerability as a leader, I think does lend the heart as well as the mind and the leadership skills. Do you find age plays into it at all? Because you have a young staff, pretty young, pretty new graduates over in the on-call world. Do you see the difference in age? I don't think it's really age. I think it's experience. Um, I will tell you, I am so impressed with the talent that we have and the young talent that we have. There are days when I just see the things they're doing and think, wow, I couldn't have done that at that point in my career. I wasn't there yet. I didn't have enough life experience. I didn't have the skill that they have. I'm so impressed by just how ahead of things they are at this point. And I think that probably comes in this day and age of real-time information and more fast-paced than it was when I first started my leadership career. And this, their access to information and uh, 24-7, I think that comes with that. But they definitely, I'm, I'm just so impressed with them every single day. I learn from them every single day. I do seem to notice our younger leaders there is a certain level of self-confidence and they're not afraid to express if they perceive something is not correct or not fair or something like that. Is that your experience too? Yeah. And, and to be able to back it up. I mean, they back it up with information and, and data um, as well. And so I think that they're doing their homework and they're doing their research and they're educating themselves and they're having they have difficult conversations every day. I don't think they think maybe as much about it as as we have in our past uh, careers of building the skill and the competency. I think some of that, this new generation of leaders is really just, it's embedded in them. It's who they are. Well, that's exciting to hear. It's kind of nice. One of the things, clarity of words. Words are important when you're having the conversations, aren't they? And what words you choose. Even just saying, we're going to discuss opportunities rather than problems. There's a whole different mindset that goes to you. So how, how do we work to have clarity in those conversations? And why is it important? Yeah, I, I can just start. I think words matter. And I think we've used the, the term before that, you know, being clear is kind. And that's really important. Um, if you go into a conversation and you try to maybe dance around it or aren't as direct, uh, people don't appreciate that. They want honesty. And, you know, I've often told leaders when I'm having difficult conversations with them, the moment I quit coaching you, that's when you really should be worried. Because that means, you know, I don't see any more opportunities for you to grow and, and to get better. And we all have opportunities to to grow and get better. Lynn, how about you? No, I agree. And I, I think clarity, not only in the in the feedback, but just in the expectations as well, you know, whether that's in the strategy that you're doing, um, whether it's in the initiative that you've asked that leader to help you with, being very clear on what the expectation is. Because I think sometimes it, if it's murky, um, it's really hard to hold a leader accountable. And then really, how do you give feedback? Because you're just as much at fault as they are if it's not going correctly. So um, I think clarity and feedback, but also in your expectations and, and where you're going, you know, the why behind it. Is it important to have a very specific list of goals for that leader? Or is it 
loosely defined? I mean, sometimes people, you know, there's the ones who like the list to see it. So how do you define those goals and lay them out for people that you have found to be most productive? Well, I, I think it has to be uh, the the leader needs to help develop their own goals. You know, it shouldn't be us handing them a list of, of their goals. They really need to be able to develop them and craft them based on where the organization is going, like at OSF, our key results, and depending on where they are and where they fall in the ministry. And I think when they're done together and they're aligned and cascaded, that's really when you see those fueling the outcome because it's all aligned, you're all going in the same direction. It's when goals are really loosely tactics or actions that aren't aligned is when you see it go off course. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think strategy cascading into goals, cascading into measurement, how are we measuring achievement of those goals? That's really important to have clarity around. And then what are the actions? And and how do I help you as as a as your leader to to manage your plate and all the things that you have to get accomplished, um, how do I knock down those barriers um, and for you um, in those action plans? And I think that's where the real conversation and the real f- feedback happens on a regular basis. That's not something that should be saved till the end of the year. Um, that's why we have a monthly meeting model and and we're reviewing those things monthly and having those conversations. And I consider those performance conversations every single month that we're really looking at all of those things in detail. I was just going to ask you, how often are these conversations? And they take place in different forms, don't they? Things like, you know, bigger group conversations or maybe a small huddle over here or the one-on-one Each of them has a purpose, doesn't it? Yeah, I think of it as a whole communication framework. I think there's a lot of value for direct reports. You're meeting one-on-one and you're having those conversations. And then certainly real-time huddles, metric-driven huddles, those are really important to sustain throughout. Um, As well as then I take a lot of pride in doing mission partner forums where I'm talking to all of the 800 mission partners across on-call and sharing our goals and on-call and what we're doing and what our results are. You know, Jen, I think that's a really good point, especially about the one-on-one being a performance uh, conversation each month. And I think that's where us as leaders, because I have a one-on-one conversation with my one-up, and then I have those conversations with my direct reports, it's, it's to hear that as feedback. You know, when you're sitting down and you're having that conversation, it's really important that the leader is realizing that that's feedback. You know, I, I had a situation recently where I had a leader said, hey, you know, I really need more feedback. And we had just completed a one-on-one. I said, okay, let's take a time out. Let's talk about what we just discussed. And so we went through that monthly meeting model. And I said, this is feedback. You know, as we're going through, you're sharing your barriers. I'm helping you. I'm identifying ways that we can get through those barriers to hit our goals. That's feedback. And so I think as leaders, we have to hear that and we have to appreciate, okay, I'm getting coached from my from my one up. This is the direction or the course and how I need to change that. So I'm going to then ask you guys to flip back onto yourselves as leaders. You were making reference earlier when we were talking before we started, Lynn, that you guys talk to yourselves. You talk yourselves through things. Oh, I talk myself through things all the time. People who sit around me, they're like, oh, Shelly's talking to herself again. They're very used to it. Tell me about the purpose of the talking to yourself and the inward-outward conversations that you're having. 
you know, I think it's that self-feedback, you know, uh, if you're looking at emotional intelligence literature, it's that self-awareness, but after a situation to be able to sit back and say, okay, what went well in that interaction and where could I improve? And then really thinking about, okay, was it because I was too emotional? Was it because maybe I didn't pick the right time to have the conversation? You know, what is it that occurred that I could do better? And then running, kind of running that through my head, honestly, so that the next time I'm in a situation like that, I'm able to handle it better. Um, I fully believe I'm probably my worst critic um, because I do tend to relive conversations in my head. Um, but I've noticed over time you get better outcomes because as you're doing it, if you're, if you're listening to that voice in your head, you do improve. Oh, yeah, I'm going to listen to this podcast and I am going to think of all the things that I could have said differently or um, what what I left out or maybe what I shouldn't have said. But certainly same. Um, every interaction, every presentation, we just yesterday had our a celebration and I was the opening speaker. And afterwards, I thought, gosh, did I hit the mark? These are the things I did well. Oh, I could have done this a little bit better. And then you just use that to do it better next time. Have you ever had those moments where somebody has given you that feedback that really catches you off guard? I mean, we've all had those moments. So personally, have there been those moments where you're just like, I had no clue I was doing that. And it's almost kind of like cold water in the face and you you almost don't know how to react. I see you both nodding your heads. So there must be those moments along. And maybe it's not in your current roles. Maybe it was something when you were younger and you hadn't learned all of these wonderful techniques that you have now. Does something stand out where there was that almost a slap in the face moment where you're like, man, I blew that or you were surprised by what you were told? Yes. I mean, many times I think we all have um, in our career, but I think one of the feedback that I received from a leader, and I, I'm not even sure the leader meant it really as feedback, um, just made a comment uh, about me that in a meeting. And I really didn't have a big role in the meeting. I was just sitting there and Afterwards, I said, oh, you know, um, you seem like everything's going much better today because I could tell, you know, you were in a bad place at that last meeting. And I thought, what, what was I doing in that last meeting? And I looked back at my calendar and there was I really wasn't. And I thought, you know, sometimes our nonverbals and how we're how we're presenting is just as or how we're sitting there is just as powerful as when we're talking and sharing something. And so I've been really cognizant of that since that feedback on, okay, if I'm listening to something, am I appearing engaged? Do I look like I'm, you know, smiling and not, you know, I don't want to appear that I'm in a bad mood. Um, so I, it was powerful, but I think it was helpful um, to hear that, to hear that perception. Yeah. Jen, how about you? Gosh, well, as a true spirit of innovation, right? I feel like I've learned way more from my failures and, and things that haven't gone right or feedback that I've received where I didn't do something well. Um, learn from those way more than than you do when everything really goes exactly the way you planned it to. So, And I think that's been part of my leadership journey. Um, I always am taking that next risk, as you heard, kind of my journey of moving from role to role. And I feel like when I get something stabilized and I usually kind of go on to the next kind of source of chaos that, that can be created. And so a lot of times in that, the feedback that I've received is, you know, I become really passionate and jump right in. And, you know, 
I've learned each new role change to to pause and and take a breath and do a little more listening and a little more observing before jumping to action. And that's been great feedback along the way in my leadership journey. There's lots of leadership books out there and you can attend conferences, you know, all across the country and read a book a day probably. Are there some that speak to you that you have really, over the course of your journey, have learned from or listened to or particular takeaways that you try to carry with you always? I think there's several. And uh, the beauty of books is you don't have to agree or identify with everything that's in it. But if you can pull a few snippets and they speak to you at that moment, uh, that helps you improve. And so I love reading. It's, It's one of my favorite things to do. So I would say I have several that I've pulled pieces from and then try to incorporate that into my leadership style as I move forward. Yeah, I think a lot of the traditional ones early on that were really almost like guidebooks. So Quint Studer and the Studer Group had a really big influence on me. It was early in my career and it was a framework that made a lot of sense to me. And I was able to to find success in implementing it. And I've kept that really throughout my career. And then honestly, today I probably do more podcasting than than anything um, because it's a way to get your exercise in and get some of that. And I love I love Simon Sinek. I love Brene Brown. I love some of those that are really um, motivational as well as you can pull snippets out and a lot do a lot of interviewing with leaders across all different industries and love hearing that as well because I think healthcare can learn a lot from other industries as well. Before we wrap it up, what's your that outstanding piece of advice you want everybody to know that perhaps we haven't touched on when it comes to leadership and handling it and moving along in your career in leadership? Because it is a career. I mean, it's not just a you do it once and you're done with it. It's it's an ongoing thing. So what are those takeaways that you hope people get by listening to this that if they learn something you want them to learn? I think it's funny you ask that in that manner because Jen said it and then you just said it. I I think it's listening. You know, as a leader, it's kind of cliche, but it's so true. Listen more than you speak and and think about what you're what you're hearing before you act. I think those are that's critical advice. And number two would be to really care about the people that you work with because you'll do a better job. Yeah, exactly. I I was going to say that commit to the relationship piece. Um, even when it feels like that's going to take extra time, it, it does take extra time, but it's well worth it and it pays off in the end, the relationship piece. And then, you know, I tell the team, like, you have to you have to really love what you're doing and you have to love the people that you're leading to really be a true leader for them. Lynn Fulton, Jennifer Junis, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Health Accelerated, brought to you by OSF Healthcare. Listen and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can also find links to any of our episodes on the OSF Newsroom at newsroom.osfhealthcare.org.